HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This week on Meet and 3, we're talking about comfort food as we explore its history, meaning, and different interpretations from around the world. Donburi is just a simple, casual dish, but it's packed with the history. Somebody might have their comfort food be something that they remember eating at their friend's house, but they would never have at their own home. Consuming foods that were eaten then can bring back some of those feelings from, from those times. It's about creating these little breaks and moments during the day where you kind of feel present. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show that's closely monitoring the last days of this planet Earth with your hosts, Zara Tangora and David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> David S. Pumpkins. That's silly. That's so funny. Have you seen this skit, right. though? I have with Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T. Hanks. Thanks. With T. Hanks. I have seen it. I don't remember much from it. I just remember he's like, I'm David S. Pumpkins, right? Isn't that part of it? He just keeps announcing himself. Yeah, it's, it's actually like, <laughs> I would say controversial in terms of whether or not it's actually funny. It's an SNL skit. Sorry, Tom Hanks, America's Sweetheart. But, um, <laughs> so I was, I thought I was going to do, spoiler alert, David S. Pumpkins for this episode. So I found. What happened? Why didn't you? I, I found this Vulture article. It was like an oral history of David S. Pumpkins. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> this is going to be so funny. And in fact, it was not funny and it was extremely boring. And it was how scripts are written for SNL. And it's, in fact, very stressful to write a script for SNL that's not even good. Um, did you watch SNL this week as I told you to? No, I did not. Also, I'm sorry. I'm sniffling everyone because I have a cold because I live with a one and a half year old and a seven year old. It's not COVID. Well, it better not be COVID because I am not looking to catch it over the phone or computer. (laughs) I've been, I'm wearing a mask (laughs) right now in my apartment by myself because I'm afraid of you. You should be. 
You know, the thing about COVID is that about a cold is that like, if you get a cold, you're like, whoa, like I got a cold. Like I could have just gotten COVID. Even if it's a cold, it's still scary. Well, I'm really annoyed because I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to get any sicknesses this year because I wear a mask everywhere. And they're, they're really effective. Um, they are. Preventing even the common cold. But now, because I live with germ children. Also, my parents who are old did not get it. And they're the ones who are like literally picking the baby up all the time. Like I pick her up sometimes, but I like always like freakishly like wash my hands right after I pick her up. Sure. Of and course. My parents are like rocking her to sleep, like touching her boogers all the time. And they didn't get sick, but I'm sick. Unbelievable. Maybe it's only contagious by blood and the baby stabbed you with a tiny needle uh, while you weren't looking. Do you think that's a possibility? <laughs> that's, yeah, she is definitely, like, possessed by the devil. You think maybe you could have a good and, son situation on your hands? <laughs> no, I think maybe, rather than dropping me off a clip, maybe she's, like, drawing my blood to see, like, how my liver enzymes are doing and, like, how, like, my... You she's know, checking on you? She's like Doogie Hauser. Like, maybe she's just, like, running a little lab in her... <laughs> Baby lab? She's one and a half, but she wears the clothes of a four-year-old, so she <laughs> is advanced for her age. Okay, wait. Does she wear the clothes of a four-year-old because she's gigantic? Yeah. Or does she look tiny in the four-year-old clothes? <laughs> We're not trying to recreate the 90s. We're just... Or the early 2000s. Um, she's but just she, larger for her size. She's humongous, yeah. She's, she weighs 37 pounds. Wow, um, maybe she's growing into a 50-foot woman. She's super tall. She's just a big baby. So she looks like she's super old, but she is in fact a baby. So she doesn't speak and still has diapers. And I'm trying to shop for cute, adorable clothes for her for Christmas. But since she wears size four, there's like all these super cute vintage baby jeans. But they can't buy them for her because unless they have elastic in them, you can't buy them for her because most four-year-old clothes aren't accounting for a diaper, right? So, right. But she still wears a diaper because she's only one and a half. <laughs> oh, what a freak. It sounds like maybe you have more of a Benjamin Button situation than a good son. Or maybe yeah. like a little combo of the two. Yeah, I mean, wait, kudos on bringing up the good son. I love that movie, I think. <laughs> I know. I don't really remember it, but I do remember that Macaulay Culkin was essentially the same as he was in Home Alone, but with different creepier, scary music. No, I mean, this is Macaulay Culkin, who at the age of, like, 10 or whatever, is trying to play against type. <laughs> he was like, I'm 10. Everyone thinks I'm this cute, adorable kid. I want to play an evil kid to make sure I have range. <laughs> it worked out for him, though. Look at him. Look at him now. Yeah. He's hugely successful. He's on mm -hmm. that show, Succession. <laughs> Just That's kidding. not him. That's the I other know. One. They look alike, though, so... Anyway. That one's name is Macaulay. His first name is Macaulay and his last name is Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> no, the one that from The Good Son is Macaulay Culkin. The one from Succession is Kieran Culkin. Kieran, right. Sorry. You thought they were both named Macaulay? <laughs> no, I was making a joke. Oh, oh, got it. I thought it was like, have you ever seen The Adventures of Pete and Pete with two brothers named Pete? Of course I've seen it. I'm your elder. It's extremely <laughs> inconsiderate to name both your children Pete. And yeah, but the parents seem like totally fine. I think it's weird that they let their younger son have a tattoo. Yeah. Well, you know, the girl from Pete and Pete, I don't remember her name. She was from <laughs> my hometown. <laughs> oh, really? Her name was also Pete. <laughs> yeah, she's she a hometown hero, whoever you are. 
We salute you. Happy Happy Veterans Day. Too soon? <laughs> we salute We salute you, unnamed child star from Pete and Pete, who's from Long Island. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyway, how's your week going? Are you um are you hauled up in a yeah. bunker with your head under your sand? Well, with I don't the know head the... under your sand. What what? I meant to say with your head under the sand. And I said with your head in I don't know. Never mind. Let's move on. How are you? <laughs> I love changing it to burying your head in the sand to my head's under the sand. It's under it. <laughs> Have you placed your head in Are you tired of that heavy old head? Why don't you try burying it under the sand? <laughs> um I've been fine. You know, I think it's interesting being in Indiana versus New York right now as the COVID cases explode. Because mm. um, I still get all the news alerts for New York. Right. And they're like, closing at 10. Like, the restaurants are all closing at 10 now. And everyone's, like, freaking out. And meanwhile, in the Indiana, where we have way more cases, obviously, um, the fucking coward mayor who got a bunch of flack for being too, like too stringent with the precautions at the beginning he's scared so we have like insane amounts of cases here and he's like okay so i'm extending the mask mandate for another month the statewide mask mandate and i'm limiting group gatherings to 50 or 25 depending on how dangerous your county is (laughs) and um, indoor sports for students are now limited in capacity because they weren't before. Wow, amazing! <laughs> and so the mayor of your town is Biff from Back to the Future, judging by your impression. That's my voice for him. I've never heard him actually speak. Isn't the mayor of your town Pete Buttigieg? No, he's the mayor of some other town. Also, he's not the mayor anymore. Oh, now he's just a private citizen slash about to be the next. <laughs> Whatever. The next gaze in it. Attorney general. Vice gaze in it. <laughs> oh, Pete Buttigieg. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like ending indoor dining at 10 p.m. is like a surefire way to really curb the COVID cases because. I know. Also, everyone today, knows. Yeah, it doesn't like to stay up late. Watching. <laughs> Today I was watching the local news, which I like to do now, um, on television, and fucking Governor Cuomo was, was talking to me today from my local news station. It was very oh, weird. Oh, what did he have to say to you? He's like, what up, girl? How is it out there in Indy? You having a pork roll? I was like, first of all, we don't have pork rolls here. And pork second- sandwich? Fried pork sandwich? <laughs> no. No, we have, they're called, um, shit, what are they called? They're fried flat pork sandwiches like schnitzel but they're not called tenderloins yeah he's like hey girl what's up out there in india you having a fried pork tenderloin sandwich yeah okay, go he, ahead. <laughs> he was speaking directly to me like in whatever movie where that happens no he was just like governor cuomo here talking for no reason look at me <laughs> he's like his new catch line should be something very italian like now that's <laughs> a spicy meatball <laughs> i wish he would just start ending all of this uh, press conferences like that. Okay, everyone, we're going to get a control over this COVID crisis. Uh, Mayor de Blasio is a piece of shit. He's got to go. Okay, that's a spicy meatball. It's it for me. <laughs> and here's my spicy meatball. I'll see you guys later. Call me. Um, actually, today, um, I think that I did something really great for my sister. She's researching a paper for a class that she's taking about climate change and how it's going to affect national security because she works for the government. Mm, um, sure. 
But I was talking about how in the year 2050, like, the United States is going to be, like, basically unlivable, except for if you live in Michigan, essentially. So she was like, okay, so we have to buy land in Michigan. And well, then, why are you telling all our millions of listeners that Michigan is going to be all full? No one believes. <laughs> <laughs> also, no I, love, I would love to live in a community of our listeners, even though I feel like it might be a little bit white skewing so we'd have to diversify it a little bit but that's true it would be a very small community it'd be me you and like virginia virginia and kira bill who knows if they're even still listening to me i know we haven't heard we haven't heard any like great episode texts recently so they probably stopped listening so it's you it's me that's it it might just be us look if you're looking to move to virginia uh excuse me virginia if you're looking to move to michigan (laughs) virginia or anyone else if you're looking to move to michigan with nicole and i please let us know that you enjoyed this episode otherwise we're going to assume that it's just going to be the two of us which is fine well that was my original plan was retiring with you yeah totally golden girl style but just the two the two of us are both white so we need to like we need to diversify a little bit Yes, absolutely. If you're a listener who's not white, please move to Michigan with us and retire there. It's the only can be the only safe place in 30 years. Also, if you're a listener who's not white, just please let us know. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a listener, please let us know. If anybody's out there, uh, I I feel like uh, Michael Moore and I haven't left my house. And do you know that Michael Moore hasn't left his house since the beginning of COVID? I have another acquaintance who just recently started leaving, and she's like, I haven't left my house in however many months. Eight months? That's crazy, really. I mean, look, no shame, because it is very dangerous out there, and if that's how you feel, I don't want to, like, kink shame you, but, oof, that is intense. Some people are happy to be in that sort of state. Also, this person has, like, a very comfortable, like, home and... You know, there are plenty of people who, like, have to leave their house in New York because it's not... Most New Yorkers are like, it's not comfortable to be in my home, even though right. I pay $8 million a month for it. I just want to be yeah. out in the city. Very ironic. Governor Cuomo and ice skating in Central Park. <laughs> well, I have a guy who unicycles up and down my block, so if I was forced <laughs> to stare at him every day and just fantasize about what it would be like to be outside unicycling myself, I would have gone crazy by now. If not for him, I could have probably lasted this whole time. My my, I have a little group text going, and they were making fun of the intense white dudes that cycle around Central Park. Or, sorry, not Central Park, but... Um, Prospect Park? The Prospect Park, and they... We're making fun of them because they all have muffin tops, even though they cycle so hard. (laughs) (laughs) If you're out there, you muffin top bike riders, we're both single. Call us. Also, I was looking for a good muffin top. I was riding my own bike around Indiana a couple days ago, and it's way more dangerous because there are no bike lanes here, and it's very scary, actually. Not very scary. It's actually like attractive and like cute, but also like giant trucks are just driving by you, and this group of children like teenagers were playing basketball and i rode by them and they're like you lose your car honey yeah that's what it's like when you're like on foot or on a bike in the suburbs like at least that's my experience on island if i walk anywhere when i go to visit my parents people are looking at me as though like i need to i need help they're like somebody call the police there's a woman walking like what could she why is she on foot i'm like i'm trying to Get my steps in, people. Yeah, <laughs> What's also, your problem? Leave me alone. Yeah, it's very, very strange. 
Well, anyway, should we get into our topic today that you kind of already gave away? Yes. I wanted to get into this topic because I feel like this time of year, everyone is thinking about Halloween. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are thinking lovingly back about Halloween and thinking about next year's Halloween, what yeah. they're going to be, what kind of candy they're going to get, what, what kind of sharp yeah. objects will be in the candy. Um, but yeah, we we're talking about what to do and we did the kind of a broad a broad topic of pumpkins, but I couldn't help myself. I really wanted to talk about pumpkins and Halloween and I think that <laughs> Zara is also talking about pumpkins and Halloween. Also, who gives a shit? Time is it a flat matter. circle. I want to talk Time about pumpkins and Halloween. <laughs> I love it. I'm so into it. It's really funny because, like, I was like, what should our topic be this week? My suggestion, which I didn't even tell you, was going to be Greek mythology. We <laughs> 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 chose pumpkins, which is great. But, you know, Nicole, pumpkins are not just for Halloween. No, that's true, but I'm not going to discuss too much outside of Halloween. There's a couple of items on my list that are outside of the Halloween holiday, but mm-hmm. for the most part, we're going to be discussing pumpkins and Halloween and how they have become partners in yeah, our my, cultural my thing mindset. Is about Halloween, too. <laughs> I so, <know. laughs> welcome to the Halloween special. In the middle of November, every day is Halloween, every day is very scary. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I'm just going to dive right in here. Get in there! Um, I got most of my information from a wonderful website called HalloweenExpress.com. <laughs> oh my god, your favorite website. <laughs> um, which is not Isn't like... that where you met Gary? <laughs> Who's Your <Gary>? husband? <laughs> Who's that? Gary, your husband. You oh. said you guys met on HalloweenPumpkins.com. <laughs> This is HalloweenExpress.com. <laughs> you know how good I am at listening and remembering. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I also got some information from History.com, the website about history. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay. So okay. let's get into it. Pumpkins are native to Central America, but they've been around North, like North American Hemisphere for a really long time basically forever they were cultivated before beans and corn even so wow there was a time when people were like let's roast some pumpkin over an open fire but we don't even know what beans and corn are which is a weird thing for me to think about like (laughs) never having eaten or heard of a bean or a corn yeah that's a long time ago some might say that's even ancient greek time long ago (laughs) Well, we're in North America in my story, so we're not. <laughs> um, what's that Disney movie about the ancient Greek times with Beyonce or whatever? The The Lion King? No, it's not Beyonce, but there's like a chorus of black women in it. It's called... Mm, Hercules? Yes. Oh, I was just kidding. Is that really a a Disney movie? Yes, it is. I must have remembered that somewhere. Okay, good, because that's what my topic is about today. It's about the movie, Disney movie Hercules, (laughs) and how it relates to pumpkins. (laughs) Um, Okay, so ancient Native Americans cooked pumpkin over a fire. They're like, yum, and they dried it and wove it into mats. Oh, wow, that's amazing. It's a nice part, right? Yeah, that's great. Durable. Um... (laughs) 
Then this dude Columbus came here and he stole some pumpkin seeds, took them back to Europe, but they didn't grow that well there. And to him, I say, ha ha, loser. <laughs> the name oh. that we know comes from a French dude in 1584. He saw some pumpkins in Canada and he was like, oh my God, these are pompions, which means gro- gross melon. Or large melon, because gross in French is large. Oh, right. I wonder if, like, boobs were called pompions. <laughs> I don't know what was going on in 1584. Not a lot of fun. But um, eventually everyone disagreed to call them pumpkins. I'm saying, I'm I'm sort of analyzing this and making it into a short story. So sure, I don't really know sure. how the everyone eventually came to call it pumpkin. But that's After a long and bloody war. <laughs> they find a civil war. Everyone agreed. It, they will be called pumpkins. Well, I think probably that's what the French and American war was about, whether or not yes. to call pumpkins pumpkins or pompions. <laughs> Imagine they were called pompions right now, and there was, like, pompion head and pompion <laughs> spice, and those are the only... And pompion pie. Pompion spice latte. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um... But I think it's bad to make fun of language, so we shouldn't do that anymore. But um, I guess we won, and we started calling them pumpkins. Um, Excuse. Anyway, enough with the history of pumpkins. The reason that we (laughs) carved them into jack-o'-lanterns is because the crazy Irish immigrants, my ancestors, um, are the reason that we carved them up. So according to Irish folklore, Jack... Of jack o' lantern fame, was <laughs> was a bla- was a blacksmith who has like a long history of tricking the devil. Like the devil is like an idiot, and he's like, "I tricked you, loser." Uh, so when he dies, he's not allowed into heaven or hell, which I think is confusing. Because I'm like, wouldn't God be like, "Congrats, you tricked the devil a bunch of times. Come on in." To heaven. Ah, uh, yeah, you would think as a reward. But instead, yeah. he gets sent to the old purgatory, huh? Yeah, totally. So then, um, the, but here's what's interesting. When the devil turned him away from Hell's Gates, he mm-hmm. was like, hey, dude, here is an ember so you can see your way back. <gasps> God, I got you, bro. God sucks. The devil is chill. <laughs> um, as we've been trying to tell you. <laughs> So this guy takes the ember and he puts it inside of a hollowed out turnip, which raises some questions for me. So number one, did Jack die holding a turnip or are there turnips in purgatory? Well, I can tell you one thing about this was that the O'Malley's, Catherine and Mary O'Malley, had um, a Sam... Samween celebration this weekend. Yes. Which is like the, you know, witchy Celtic uh, Halloween. Also, I thought it was, there's a band called, I thought it was Samhain. It's, I think it's pronounced Samween, but I could be wrong. I do, I do have a chronic mispronunciation I've inherited from both my parents. But they carved turnips and they are fucking creepy. They are yeah. absolutely terrifying. It's, we want to talk about like something being. I've never seen a carved pumpkin that's been creepy. A carved turnip is like seeing a set of like little wet footprints in your mm. carpet at home that <laughs> are not yours, and you don't have a child, and there's just wet footprints. It's the same thing. A carved turnip is absolutely spooky. Well, I also think that we should title our folk album "Are There Turnips in Purgatory?" 
<laughs> That's amazing. Um, so the Irish would, they would carve scary faces into the turnips to scare away evil spirits, which is another thing where I'm just like, they're evil spirits. Are they scared away by scary faces? Like, aren't they just like, point. they're just like, it's me looking at me. I'm not scared. They're like, yeah, it may. I mean, it would be much scarier to draw like an angel or like carve an angel into the turnip. Yeah, totally. Um, but anything looks scary carved into a turnip. I'm telling you, you could carve Cindy Crawford's face into a turnip and be <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> um, okay, so they would carve scary faces and they would place a burning piece of coal inside, which seems like a fire hazard, but who knows? Um, <laughs> when they when they arrived in the U.S. as immigrants, they were like, wait, these giant melons are way, these gross melons are way better than turnips at like holding their shape and being carved into. So they just kind of switched from turnips to pumpkins, which is why we today carve pumpkins but i am like on your i'm like i think the turnips are less likely to turn to mush because a pumpkin mm-hmm. we carve pumpkins at my bar mm-hmm. and it turned to mush in like three days even though we coated the inside with bleach or whatever you're supposed to do to make it last longer you yeah turned immediately i carved a pumpkin this year i'm like two days later there's a like liquid all around the bottom and i was like what is wrong with this thing and i look inside and it's full of white hairy mold yeah and fruit flies and it's leaking like some kind of bodily fluid i was like what is with this it was i thought it was like possessed i have never seen a pumpkin go bad that quickly that's what happened to every pumpkin that i've ever made so i think that turnips will be less likely to go bad and also i mean this will go bad but it'll take way more time and you can't smash evil teens can't smash your turnips like if you have a bunch of little turnips on your porch they can't smash them Totally. And they get more ghoulish as they shrink because it look you start carving a face and then it becomes like an old face, much yeah. like Benjamin Button. So, <laughs> Except totally. opposite. Yes. Our favorite film. Um, <laughs> so I'm saying let's take some turnips, turn those into jack-o'-lanterns and get rid of this pumpkin <clears throat> craze that's really big pumpkin. They have a really big monopoly and we need to stop it. I completely agree. I'm totally with you. And that is why Nicole and I are running on a joint ticket and the turn up party. Turn up, turn up, turn up the vote. So (laughs) that's our slogan. (laughs) Turn up the vote. Can't wait to make make those little t-shirts. It's going to be amazing. What t-shirts we really should make, actually, I was just thinking is uh, God sucks. The devil is chill. That is true. Those are real. We should do that. That was very funny. (laughs) But, like, it's true. He's like, hey, dude, you need to find your way back out of here. Obviously, I'm not going to let you into hell because you tricked me so many times. 100%. Um, Look how many wars have been fought about God. And the devil, as far as I'm concerned, and Satanists at large are are chill. Satanists at large, yes. (laughs) Large Satanists. (laughs) The editor at large of Satan Magazine. He's great. (laughs) (laughs) Beelzebub. um and so i was thinking about mostly i was thinking about the movie jeepers creepers 2 where the bad guy pretends to be a scarecrow for a period of time but i always associate pumpkin heads with scale or with scarecrows as well so Mm -hmm. i looked up a little bit of that so they have been around for a super long time um they actually are effective they're they're basically supposed to prevent birds from coming into your field um, so they've been around super long time. There's Japanese versions that they would actually put rotted meat on them. 
Um, so the Japanese word for scarecrow actually translates to like smells bad. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> and in med- medieval Europe, actual live children were the scarecrows. So they would <gasps> have these like nine year olds like throw rocks and make loud noises at the birds to prevent them from like eating the corn while they're harvesting While they're it. strung up like on the cross? No, they're Are like their arms tied up. No, they're just standing there. They're like standing there. They're like little. Okay. Sh- they're, they're supposed to like throw rocks at the birds and scream and make loud noises with those clapper things. But the okay. reason why what we think of as a scarecrow today with the pumpkin head and the clothes sort of came about is because so many children died during the plague that they weren't available to be fucking scarecrows anymore. <laughs> oh my god, a scarecrow shortage. <laughs> Look, yeah. that is how people adapt. That is industry at mm-hmm. its finest. No more children, no problem. At least we got a pomp and we got plenty of pompignons. Yeah, let's make these fucking pompignons and put them <laughs> on a fucking pile of clothes. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and so American colonists brought this tradition with them to the Americas. Uh, German settlers in particular were especially influential with them. And like I said, they were proven to work. But we decided to scrap them it, after World War II when they made chemicals that will prevent birds that they could just spray all over their crops and kill everyone. Um, Perfect. It's very nice. It's a very American story. Right, um, and it also prevents people because they all die of cancer. Yeah. Um, so I have some fun pumpkin facts for you guys. Oh, amazing. We have Illinois grows the most pumpkins in the united states they grow twice as many pumpkins as anyone else wow illinois what's your problem what's your deal (laughs) the fuck the heaviest pumpkin ever grown was grown in belgium in 2016 and it weighed 2624 pounds whoa (laughs) that's a big pumpkin (laughs) (laughs) the most the heaviest pumpkin in the united states the only states that matter um was grown in New Hampshire and it weighed 2528 pounds. Wow, that's a lot of pumpkin pie. They got a little bit less than 100 pounds less than the Belgium. Uh the speaking of pumpkin pie, the largest pumpkin pie ever baked was baked in Ohio in the year 2010 and it weighed 3699 pounds <laughs> and was over 20 feet in diameter. <laughs> Perfect. That's what you can count on America for, just making the biggest of everything for no reason. Who ate all that fucking pumpkin pie? Also, I would like to know, where do you make a 3,000-pound pumpkin pie? Like, what do you? What kind of oven do you bake that in? Um, That's a great question. I guess you, if you're blind, you definitely have to blind bake that crust, right? Oh, absolutely. You got to blind bake that crust. You know how many beans it takes? Speaking of beans, you know how many beans it's going to take to blind bake a fucking 3,000-pound pumpkin pie crust? And that's this is very wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's amore. Um, and to quickly finish, I just want everyone to be aware of this. this is an important announcement. There is something called toxic squash syndrome that you can get. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> from eating. If you leave a pumpkin up your vagina for more uh, than eight hours. <laughs> Apparently, there's a, a chemical element called cucurbitacin. Sorry, I'm definitely probably saying that wrong. Um, in, like, squash, different types of gourds, and even cucumbers, it's very bitter. Honestly, like, if it's too much in the thing that you're eating, it t- probably tastes so bitter that you probably aren't going to eat it. But sometimes people mm-hmm. do. I read an article where they're like, two women lose their hair 
after <gasps> eating pumpkin poisoning, basically. Oh my god. I know, it's crazy. So, beware. Buyer beware. Wow, that's wild. I mean, I've had um, cucumbers before that have been very bitter. <clears throat> and my hair did fall out from that, but I didn't ever connect the two. You never did a Google search to see... Like what? Well, it, it was only be. my pubic hair, so it was like no uh, big deal. You're like, this is free wax. I, f- I was like, this is great. I'm gonna. Where did where did these come from, sir? Where'd you get these bitter ass cucumbers? But it was the only one. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, wild stuff. A bitter you know, cucumber I, sounds kind of delicious. Or is it good? No, it's not. It's not good uh, at all. Sometimes you'll get a bitter one, and I never really know why. I think that's part of the reason why people peel cucumbers is because sometimes the skin can be better, and I'm wondering if it hasn't been something that's, like, been grown out of it. But I've definitely had my fair share of, like, bitter cucumbers, and well, it's I mean, very shocking when it happens. That's what this is, though. I think that's actually what the the toxicity is too high, and that's why it tastes bitter so you don't eat it. But some people just yeah. keep eating it anyway. Yeah, they're like, fuck it. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's very strange. I think it's very weird to think that, like, a pumpkin and a cucumber are the same... Much as though I have a hard time wrapping my head around that a chihuahua and a Great Dane are both dogs, I a find chihuahua. it very confusing that a that a cornichon, or as my mom would say, a carichicon, and <laughs> a three thousand pumpkin pie are the same thing. It's it's a head scratcher. Yeah, it's the world is a wonderful, wild, crazy place full of darkness and bitterness. <laughs> Can you die from pumpkin poisoning or just lose your hair? Well, it's it's something that you have to be aware of. It's completely and totally rare. I don't think mm. that very many people have died from it. There's always, like, that one person that died from it. Um, but Sure. I guess you could die from embarrassment if you lose all your hair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, like, why do we place so much significance on human hair? Most of the people that are important and rich are bald. So That is a great point. And also, hair is kind of, like, it's it's always struck me. Now, this is a hair podcast now. <laughs> hair is strange and it is strange that we want to rip it away from everywhere except like well not everyone wants to but you know the traditional trope of cis women wanting to uh pull all of their hair out everywhere That's on mostly, their body i mean it's partially heads. from french prostitutes because no one shaved their legs in the u.s until world war ii vets came back and they're like oh these french ladies in france they shave their legs everyone's like okay i guess um but yeah porn is part mostly part of the reason why people feel the need to remove all of their body hair right and bleach their assholes as well yes i've been meaning to talk to you about asshole bleaching but before should we just take a quick break and then come back and we'll do my half of the story which is about uh hercules and his perfectly bleached asshole you got it okay great bye all of us at hrn have been keeping busy despite working and recording from home this fall we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world while the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain There are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. 
Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. to your favorite food podcast here on Heritage Radio. Life's a Banquet, a podcast about pumpkins, perfectly shiny white assholes, <laughs> and, and hair. <laughs> I thought Am it was, I right? Yeah, I thought it was a podcast about hair the musical, though, and it's I... I'm oh. a little bit, I'm a little underprepared, but. Okay, that's, this is going to be very awkward. It's actually a podcast about Harry Belafonte. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not Harry Connick Jr., which I also kind of have a little bit of information about. No, it's actually a podcast about when Harry met Sally. <laughs> <laughs> which I should start a podcast about because I watch it literally Three times per week to manage I would love my stress. It if you watched, if you made a whole podcast about one movie, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Look, why not? The world's ending, and I'm not saying that in some kind of cutesy like meme, like mom meme way. Like the world's ending, wine time. I mean, like the world is literally ending in front of our eyes. Why not start at when Harry met Sally podcast, the podcast about Billy Joel's, uh, about <laughs> Billy Crystal and Billy Joel's hair. <laughs> When Harry, um, I get it. <laughs> yeah, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> Hello. It's all about the hairstylist who worked on the film. Harry and... <laughs> it's about how Meg Ryan boned the hair, head hairstylist from the movie. <laughs> when Harry met Sally. Oh my yeah. God, that's so funny. But also we should Oof. think about the hairstylist on Harry and the Hendersons too. Don't forget. Never forget. Never, ever, please. Look, if you were the hairstylist on Harry and the Hendersons, please call into the show and you can move to Michigan with us when the world starts to melt down, which is now. Yes. All right. So, look, I decided to do um, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It's so cute. It's so cute. Um, I hadn't seen this in a really long time, but they used to play it on... TV like every year around yeah Halloween I would time. watch it every year with my mom and my sister well guess what that's never gonna happen again because um Apple TV acquired it now after 54 years of being free and available to people on network TV this year of all years as though anything else awful and traumatic couldn't happen they took it off of network television and now you have to pay for it and have an Apple TV subscription that's insane I you know I we need to do a whole podcast about Apple TV and all the subscription services and how they're all evil and how I can't find any movie that I want to watch at any point in my life. And now I have to literally start having a DVD collection and I'm furious with rage. I know. I agree with you. You know what I tried watching last night? Speaking of Meg Ryan and her affair with a hairstylist, French Kiss. Mm -hmm. I, I was like really compelled to watch that and I couldn't find it anywhere. 
You can't find it. I actually tried to find that because sometimes, usually if you can't find something, it'll come back in like a month or two, but like the momentum's all gone. You're like, eh, whatever. But that one has been gone for at least three months. Like it hasn't been available anywhere for multiple. I actually signed up for some random service because it said it was available there, but it was Australian. So like if you're in Australia, you can watch it right now, but no one else can. Oh my gosh. That's ridiculous. I guess we yeah. got to go to Australia. That's, I guess I have to have a DVD in. collection. What worse could happen? <laughs> um, okay, look, let's talk about this. So I want to tell you a little bit about Charles Schultz and Peanuts, which I'm just going to very briefly cover it. <laughs> uh, because as we all know, this is not the Peanuts episode. This is a pumpkin episode. But Wait, I, do, sure I all... do have a question before we start. Oh, please. No, absolutely. Go right ahead. So we all know that there's obviously the Christmas episode with everyone mm-hmm. has the soundtrack on vinyl. Um, yes. And then there's the pumpkin episode, obviously. But then there's also an episode where they go to a chateau that I conflated with the Halloween episode because it like spooky stuff happens. They have to like solve a mystery in the chateau. Oh my gosh. I didn't they... know that one. Oh really? So I'm always just like, does anyone remember the one where they go to France and they stay in a chateau? Which I at the time was a young child. I didn't know that the French called their houses chateaus. So I'm like, what's a chateau? Oh um, wow. Yeah, so that's not... You didn't find any information about that in your journey? No, um, but I'm going to Google it, and I'll tell everyone after the episode is over. (laughs) Okay, I just Googled Chateau Charlie, and something totally different came up. So let me just get into this first, but we need to uncover the mystery of this before the end of the episode. Hurry up, okay. Okay, so anyway, um, Peanuts ran in, in newspapers for, like, 50 years, um, by the time that Charles Schultz died in 2000, Peanuts had ran in over 2,600 newspapers with readership of around 355 million people in 75 countries and had been translated into 21 languages. How does that compare to the Kathy comic? <laughs> well, Kathy, first of all, is just one lonely woman in one <laughs> lonely newspaper <laughs> with one stupid cat and one ugly dress. Oh my god! And or what she about leftover spaghetti? Doonesbury. Oh, I don't. You know what? I'm. You're talking to the wrong person because I don't really know very much about comics. I know Kathy oh. because she's a fucking pathetic hag. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> just kidding. She's my patron saint. And then I know Peanuts and I know Garfield, of course. Huh. I just always used to read all the comics in the newspaper on Sundays when we got the Sunday paper, and I would read Doonesbury, even though I, I don't. I, I didn't get it. Like I was too young to understand. Yeah, well, comics, it's interesting, right? Because they're, like, and cartoons in general, actually, because they're, like, four kids, but they're about adult issues. <clears throat> um, I feel like the comic, and, like, Doonesbury is definitely not for kids. It's an adult comic. Right, but, I mean, we're we're taught to think that, like, you know, aesthetically, at least, that cartoons are for kids. And right, and also, like, a kids. comic about a 40-year-old woman living alone as a cautionary tale to women, <laughs> definitely not yeah, for it's children. for little girls. They're like, find a husband, and you're going to end up like this slob. <laughs> quick find a husband anyone will do literally Um, anyone literally any breathing person um so it's it's the great pumpkin charlie brown was first mentioned in the comic strip in 1959 but then on october 27 1966 cbs debuted the animated halloween special based on the comic strip um, oh, want to mention, got all of my information from Mashable and then a couple other sources that I'm going to um, mention as I go on. Anyway, so Peanuts, 
um, while seemingly an innocuous children's cartoon, the themes on display, and it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown, were disappointment, alienation, neurosis, delusion, and disrepair. Is this in Which, the show or the first comic? That no, it's in, in the it's a for it's in in it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown, and in general, I mean, Charles Schultz wrote about some really complicated kind of things, and I have a, a little bit more that I'm going to kind of touch on as we go on about that, but. You know, Peanuts in general was kind of a nihilistic look at life. Well, so, sorry, did you already say this? When did the actual cartoon air? It came out um, October 27th, 1966. Okay, that makes sense, because that's when all those, like, the early 70s, late 60s, is when all those paranoia films were coming out, too. Right, right. Um... So basically the plot of, I'm just going to do a brief synopsis if anyone hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a long time. Basically the plot is that Linus believes that there's a great pumpkin that's kind of much like Santa. And if he sits out in the pumpkin patch and his perfect pumpkin patch, of course he's going to see the great pumpkin. So he waits for it. And Lucy, who's a complete bitch, (laughs) as always, is just like really shitting on him. And Charlie Brown gets invited to his first party. Lucy, again, being a huge bitch, says that like it's a mistake that he's been invited. They go trick-or-treating. Charlie Brown gets a bunch of rocks. Oh, Um, yeah. And then then he he makes that like Charlie Brown disappointed sound. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, fuck. Fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then... Linus just like basically keeps waiting for the pumpkin, even though everyone else has gone to a really fun Halloween party and he missed the whole party, just waiting out there. Finally falls asleep and Lucy like drags him back in at four in the morning and she's actually kind of nice, takes his socks off, puts him to bed. Um, I thought that Sally, his sister, comes. Well, he sits out with um, the like little, with Charlie Brown's little sister in the field. Oh, is it Charlie, little the little blonde girl? The little blonde girl, but then she gets pissed at him too. Everyone in Peanuts is like always yelling at each other. Yeah, they're, they're like very never rude. happy. They're very a bunch of rude little awful white children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or pink. I don't know. Are they supposed to be pink on purpose, or I think they're just supposed to be white? They're beige. Yeah, they're they're pinkish beige. Anyway, I want to tell you about some of the different interpretations of this, and a lot of it kind of really felt very. I don't know, poignant to how our country is today, not to get too political, as Lina says, not to talk about politics, but um, the Great Pumpkin... Sorry, I just want to interrupt, because I I think Linus, I always associate with that religious speech in the Christmas episode, which I think is really interesting, because Charles Schultz was famously, like, dark. He was also just, like, really dark, but the, the whole thing was, like, I don't know. They, part of the reason why they didn't want to do it is because he gives that really long speech about... He quotes from the Bible, basically. Um, right. Anyway, Linus is basically a Christian, so just keep that in mind. <clears throat> That's true. Linus is a Christian, but there's a lot of different interpretations. And so... <laughs> <clears throat> um, the Great Pumpkin has been cited as a symbol of strong faith and foolish faith. So I guess the strong faith and the foolish faith would both be of Linus, leading to the vastly different interpretations of his own faith, Charles Schultz's. Um, a Vulture article by Jen Cheney that came out this year, and it was she was talking about, in her article, Jen was saying, it was, the article is mostly about what a travesty is, that they took the show off TV, uh, the movie off TV at this year of all years. Um, it's but then fucking she, crazy that they would do it at all. I can't believe that they would allow them to, I wonder how much money whoever got that for, so that people that don't have Apple TV can never see it. 
Yeah, it's really weird. But so Jen Cheney makes the comparison later in her article about the comparison of the belief of Linus and the Great Pumpkin um, to be that of Trump supporters, like, refusing to believe in the truth despite the evidence. And she was like, and it's no, the, the irony is not lost on me that we're talking about a pumpkin who's orange. Mm. Um, Linus writes in The Great Pumpkin, everyone tells me you're fake, but I believe in you. P.S. If you really are fake, don't tell me. I don't want to know. If you really are fake, you wouldn't be able to tell me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't exist. You're an idiot, Linus. This is all about just how kids are fucking stupid, really. They really are. Um, then, like, other people draw a comparison that Linus is depicting, as you were kind of mentioning, an, ev- an evangelical. Um, some people think he's represents people being in cults. Um, and hmm. others talk about it being, like, him being an example of mankind's existential like dilemma between faith and reality. And then Charles Schultz was like, it's just a kid. Like he basically was like, none of this is true. (laughs) Yeah. It's not about cult. You freaks. Yeah. Um, so my, my thought is like through his belief in the pumpkin, he missed all the fun, which is my personal metaphor for religion. Like people living their lives in this certain kind of way. Um, expecting that when you die you'll be surrounded by whatever kind of vision of the afterlife you have and like so many people who are you know and whatever I'm not trying to like knock all religion I'm not religious because I know that I have my time here on earth that is definite I have no idea what's going to happen afterwards so I try to be a decent human but you know if I go to hell thank god <laughs> Satan's chill <laughs> yeah so, I mean you can't go to hell if you trick the devil too many times so try not to do that snap um but anyway so i kind of think that's like you know that's what i see in it is like you know you could sit here waiting for something that you think is going to happen and you miss like this all this wonderfulness that's actually going on if we're going to talk about it in the sense of religion i think that the interesting thing about religion is that it does comfort people so i do like i i understand why people use it as like a refuge from the horrors of the world and also one thing that is, I think, really interesting about a lot of, like, non-denominational Christian churches that I have familiarity with is that they have marriage counseling from, like, day one when you get married. And so uh, mm. uh, the statistics around mar- people that are married that are Christians are interesting. And I think part of it comes from the fact that they there is a sense of community from going to church that most people that aren't religious don't really have in the same way. Um, oh. And that there is this sort of like thoughtful thing about how marriage actually is really difficult. It's like a couple of my friends got married. They've been married for like, I don't know, 15 years at this point. But um, they posted this really interesting on Facebook about how they were immediately entered into this counseling session as soon as they got married. And it really like taught them they're being counseled by an, a much older married couple. But they were also with an actual like I don't, they weren't like a count, they were a counselor, but they basically taught them how to like emotionally, like identify how they emotionally communicate and then use that to sort of improve their marriage. And it was really interesting. And we don't do that for the rest of society. We have no community in place and we definitely don't take newlyweds and say, this is actually difficult. Let's figure out how to make this work together. We just are like, good luck. Bye. Yeah, totally. I mean, community, I think, in general, and that's a very good point about religion that I often overlook because I've not been raised with any type of religion in my life. Yeah. Um, But it's a really good point. It also reminds me of that classic 
mid 2000s <laughs> film uh, with Robin Williams and Mandy Moore and John Krasinski, Licensed to Wed. <laughs> yeah, where Robin Williams is like their religious marriage counselor. Yeah, I mean, that is, that movie is like true, and I hate to say it, but really just like one of those films that's ho- almost unbearable to watch. <laughs> I do love Mandy Moore, but she was in so many bad movies. And then she married Ryan Adams, Brian Adams. Somebody? I think both of them. I think it was like the first <laughs> first of many three-way weddings for her to come. <laughs> um, so I want to read you something from the New York Times in an article by Rich Cohen. He says, but to me, quote, but to me, the sincerity in the great pumpkin is key. And it is what has drawn me to its magic year after year. It's what you believe, but also the sincerity of that belief that can give your life meaning. Sincere belief can order an otherwise formless succession of days and it's meaningful and it is meaningful days collected together that add up to a meaningful life. Aww. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting take from Rich Cohen for the failing New York Times. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're so sincere sometimes. It's it, because they have like perfect upbringing. They're like well-to-do white people with like wealthy happy parents so they're like yeah man don't you see this oh i thought you were talking about the peanuts you're talking about the writers for the new york times <laughs> yes all the ivy league white people that work for the new york times totally and well, not yeah just a lot of ivy league folks so i want to tell you a little a couple of funny facts about um the movie uh, the voice of Violet puked after every recording session. <laughs> Why? So, because for a lot of the Peanut special, kids were used. Usually, you have adults who are doing cartoon voices, but in like a lot of the <laughs> Peanut specials, the voices were of um, of kids, like the Charlie Brown, Lucy Linus. They were pretty much all kids. And so Anne Altieri, who played both Violet and Frida, was so nervous to be a part of the show that she threw up every time she was done recording a session. <laughs> That is so funny and sad for her. And I guess, I don't know what this means by the real Charlie Brown, but I guess there's a boy who, like, Charlie Brown was based off of named Peter Robbins, but it says the real Charlie Brown got rocks as well. Pranksters gave Peter Robbins, the 10-year-old boy who, oh, who voiced him, who voiced Charlie Brown rocks instead of candy when he went trick-or-treating that year, so. That's mean. I know. Our hearts go out to you, Peter Robbins. Please call us if you're listening to the show right now. Friend of the pod, Peter Robbins, the voice of Charlie Brown. Um, okay, so then a guy named Vince Guaraldi wrote all the scores for the early Peanut specials. Yeah, the Vince Guaraldi trio is the soundtrack to the Christmas album. Okay, right. So this is very odd, this story, and I don't oh. quite believe that this is the whole story but it says when he was busy putting together the great pumpkin walls for the show he decided (laughs) to break for a shower when he came out he thought he heard noises and went to investigate naked and locked himself out in the process he tried climbing a ladder to the second floor window when the cop when the cops spotted him and he said don't shoot i'm the great pumpkin and then police who were like, they, I mean, this was before the thing came out. They didn't get the joke, but they let him back inside. Because he was white. Because he's white, obviously, yes. Don't shoot, I'm the great pumpkin is... This is the weird, something about, there's pieces of this story that are clearly missing. I feel like this guy was definitely smoking some marijuana. 
I think he might have been smoking like PCP. Like he's climbing a ladder. He's decided to like break for a shower. I've never heard of anyone taking a shower break while they're working. I, I mean, have, that's I mean, very plenty odd. Of people, there's plenty of offices that I've worked in that have showers in them. So that's a thing. No, I mean, I get that there's a shower in the office. It's just like, well, I guess I'm just speaking from personal experience. I've never had the thought while I'm deep in like, you know, a creative process to be like, you know, you take a cigarette break, you take a break to eat, maybe you even take a break to like masturbate, but like to take a shower, it just seems strange. I don't know. Showers are very rejuvenating. Also, if you're on a ton of weed and it's 1966, who knows? Also, maybe he lived in a cold water flat and this is hot water. Nobody knows. Yeah, this is a strange story. So if anyone has more information about this freak, Vince Garaldi, <laughs> please let us know. Um, so Charles Schultz died on February 12th, 2000. And I don't know if you know this, he died of colon cancer in his sleep, but he died the day before the final peanut strip was supposed to run. I do know that. That is very, very strange to me and very kind of wonderful and cool and makes me believe in kind of weird things like the devil. Um, So I want to read you, I want to finish with one little thing here. An article called Parodies of Peanuts by Bruce Handy in The Atlantic. And I just found this was like kind of interesting and touching. But um, he writes, what do kids take away from all this bleakness? He's talking basically about how, like, Charles Schultz was kind of a nihilist and his style of of writing. Um, What do kids take away from all this bleakness? On some level, Charlie Brown's relentless suffering comforted me, a lightning rod, I think, for my own anxieties about my place in the world. Peanuts as catharsis, as worst case scenario, with the awaited thunderclap of laughter, substituting for the reassurance of a fairy tale happily ever after. What I took away from Schultz is that life is hard. People are difficult at best, unfathomable at worst. Justice is a foreign tongue. Happiness can vaporize in the thin gap between the third and fourth panel. And the best response to all that is to laugh and keep moving, always ready to duck. Hmm. I don't know. That, to me, feels, like, very romanticized and, I don't know, overwrought. I don't really... I don't even know how much I like Charlie Brown, because there was always a lot of, like, drama. Oh, excuse. Um, I thought it was very sweet, and I thought it was, like, applicable. For me, it did, like, hit a chord with this person, with this time that we're in right now, because things are so bleak, and I think that, like there's something about embracing the kind of just unknown kind of, you know, melancholy and the infinite sadness of all of it. (laughs) And just laughing that like feels appropriate. I feel like Charlie Brown is not sympathetic though. Like he, he's actually not a sympathetic character. Right. I think he's talking about Charlie Brown, the comic strip about peanuts in general. Right. Um, anyway, so Linus says in The Great Pumpkin, there are three things I've learned, never discussed with people, religion, politics, and The Great Pumpkin. <laughs> and that is that's, where I will leave you. That's funny. I like that. I know. Very cute. Um, so yeah, that's The Great Pumpkin. Watch it on, if you have Apple TV, if you're fucking rich and you have Apple TV. Well, Apple TV is only like $4.99 or whatever, but well, it's Well, I had to all... spend four ninety nine to watch this fucking well, thing I was going to ask you, did you, you should have texted me because I have it. Oh, on DVD? No, I actually, I subscribed to Apple TV to watch the M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong show that they were advertising it with, which wasn't very good, and then I still have it, because I'm just like, $4.99 a month, it's not that much. 
Must be nice. Must be nice to be you. Um, should we talk about our favorite pumpkin things? Top three? Yes. What are yours? Oh, I have to go first? Okay. Yeah. I, I have to think of mine. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't written down. I love, as I've mentioned on earlier podcasts, the Little Debbie jack-o'-lantern pumpkin treats are delicious. I think you brought those for us last year. I did. They're so good. They were really delicious. Um... You know, they're not, like, what you think of, or at least what I think of Little Debbie is, like, a little cream inside, and, like, which I love, but, like, these are, there's no cream. It's just, like, I don't know, like a gingerbread cookie, kind of, with, like, a vaguely gingery, cinnamony, apple-y inside. It's good. Mm. Um, I also love pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. And I love pumpkin bread. Ooh! Pumpkin bread is so good! Mm-hmm. Okay, mine are... I love pumpkin ravioli. Mm, I don't really. It's so sweet. Ooh, I love pumpkin ravioli. I like it with brown butter and sage and then some crumbled up, crushed up amaretti cookies on top and some parmigiano. What? That's so sugary. (laughs) Just a little, you just crunch up a little bit of the cookie on top and the, the pumpkin ravioli themselves shouldn't be that sweet, really. Well, I think that I've had bad experiences, but I've had some very sweet pumpkin ravioli, which has turned me off. No, I like them. You just make it with, like, fresh pumpkin or, like, kombucha squash, and it should be, like, not super sweet. Just okay. put, like, a little bit of, like, nutmeg in there, and then tiny bit of crunched up amaretti, which is, like, a little bit bitter and could make your hair fall out. Um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love, like, a Japanese, like, pumpkin curry. That's always very delicious. Or like fried uh, tempura pumpkin. Yum, yum, yum. And then... I love tempura pumpkin. Delicious. And I'm going to go ahead and say that my number one thing is I love pumpkin seeds. Crunchy. Great alternative to nuts. Pepitas. Pepitas. I love them. So those are my three favorite things. And before we go, I just wanted to read you a few... Um, abominations uh, against crimes against food um, that are pumpkin spice flavored. Okay. (laughs) I hate, for the record, I hate pumpkin spice lattes, but I did get a pumpkin spice sugar-free syrup, which is pretty good. It's good? Okay. Interesting. Well, here's a couple of things that are going to really get your goat. There are uh, pumpkin spice marshmallows, pumpkin Mm. spice Kahlua, Pumpkin spice Philadelphia cream cheese. No. Pumpkin spice kale chips. Pumpkin spice hummus. Yeah, the hummus I've seen. I saw it at Costco or Trader Joe's or something. Pumpkin spice peeps. Oh, I mean, I hate peeps on principle and on flavor. Pumpkin. Oh, what about those? Like, do you like candy corn? You're someone who doesn't like candy corn, right? Not in the. Yeah, no candy corn. Okay, I like candy corn, and I love the candy corn pumpkins, which I know makes me a sick serial killer, but I do like it, and I can't lie. Ew. Um, pumpkin <laughs> They're spice even bigger than treats? candy corn. Pumpkin They're... spice dog treats? That's fine. Maybe dogs are into that. Pumpkin spice Milanos, which I could get down with that. Dude, I've had those. They're, I bet they're good, aren't they? I First of all, I was staying with my friend, Mike Sala, who is or was a listener. Hello. Um, Hi. And I, I was made staying with... this week. 
we did a little we did a little break and we went to Pennsylvania together. His brother has a house up there and they were gone and so it was just the two of us and I went to the grocery store and they had pumpkin spice Milanos and I couldn't resist and they were delicious. But I haven't I seen bet. them anywhere else since. Well, I bet they were better than these nature's basket pumpkin spice chicken sausages. Pumpkin <laughs> no. spice sprinkle Pringles. What? Pumpkin spice pasta sauce. No. Pumpkin spice pop rocks. Pumpkin That's... spice salmon. Salmon? Pumpkin spice salsa. No. What other tomatoes in there? Seltzer. <laughs> seltzer, I guess I can understand. Pumpkin spice hand sanitizer. No. Pumpkin spice fish bait. <laughs> you don't really want a warming spice in your alcohol-based hand sanitizer, right? That's going to be too... That's going to be bad. I don't know. It sounds wild to me. And then we're going to round this one up with pumpkin spice cigarillos. And that's all. That's all I've got. Wait, is fish bait real? Like, we are pushing this onto fish? We're like now they... moving into the fish community and saying, you like this too, fish. Buy this. Buy this. Buy this. Capitalism. Pumpkin spice. Fish. <laughs> liberals <laughs> what else am i angry about <laughs> oh man i mean listen i like pumpkin spice but i i do too i love it <laughs> i can't get enough of it i'm really angry about pumpkin spice dog treats because like why exactly pumpkin spice cat litter that's saying like pumpkin are spice you... gunpowder are you are you tired of giving your dog treats that you yourself don't think are tasty <laughs> so we took <laughs> Pumpkin spice, which we know you like, you weird control freak, and we put it in your dog treat so that you know they're going to taste good or something. Are you sick and tired of coming home starving only to find the only thing in your house this October is dog treats and you just really want to dunk them in a little bit of coffee you have left? Well, <laughs> now we have Greenies Pumpkin Spice Dog Biscuits. Yeah, it's it's a crazy world we live in. I feel like this is the greatest threat that we have facing us. Um, yeah. We need also, to stop Big Pumpkin Spice in its tracks. Let's just take the lid off of this. Pumpkin Spice is just nutmeg, cinnamon, and <laughs> clove, right? Like, that's all yeah. it is. <laughs> and maybe a, little, may, maybe a little bit of ground ginger if right. we're feeling crazy. Right, right, right. Right. It's insane. I used to think that pumpkn spice, like way back in the day when pumpkin spice first premiered when I was a little kid in the <laughs> 1930s, um, I used to think that it was like a pumpkin flavor, that like the pumpkin itself <laughs> was the spice. Yeah. But how wrong I was. You were very wrong. That would be hilarious though if there was a whole dried packet of pumpkin <laughs> flavor. <laughs> pumpkin flavor? Look... In this, in today's world, Nicole, we can't expect that anything is beyond possibility. Am I right, ladies and oh, gentlemen? Amanda, yeah, Amanda just told us to wrap it up, so we get us out. Oh, excuse if somebody is not a fan of pompignons, it seems. Amanda, am I right? Pumpkin hater. I All think right, fine. We need to we'll talk about pumpkin spice. <laughs> we'll wrap it up. You want us to stop you talking about pumpkin spice? Us. No problem. <laughs> The greatest threat to American <laughs> to American security. We have to talk about this. Oh my God! Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning into um, this episode, and I hope it helps you plan for Halloween. It's only three hundred and forty days away. Days, three hundred and sixty-five <laughs> days away. Uh-huh. Um, so hang tight and grab yourself uh, some pumpkin spice diapers and Oslo pasta. Hang tight and hang loose. Yeah, hang tight, brah. Bye, Quintillas. Bye.
Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>